This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week for episode 358, a swamp creature and the scientist observing their living conditions, Paul Jaisley. Hey, everybody. And Ari Gross. Hey there. Thank you both for joining me this week. Kara couldn't make it this week. She has laryngitis, and we're all wishing her the best um, so that she can get her voice back so that we can hear her wonderful sultry tones here on the show again. I don't know if that's the right word to describe, Kara, but you know, that's the word that I'm using. Um, I want to say thank you again to everybody who showed up to the live broadcast of episode 357 last week on YouTube and Twitch. We had like overall like 25 people concurrently watching at one point, which is insane. I didn't think that many people even listened to this show. So that is fantastic. But I guess to get into things before we jump into the legally mandated questions that I have for the episode, we have a special guest on this episode, Ari. Welcome to I Read Comic Books. Could you tell the folks at home a little bit about yourself? Uh, hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Ari, Ari Gross. I have been writing comics for, well, I started writing about a couple years ago, but I've started uh, I've started coming out in the world about uh, one year, maybe a little over a year ago, uh, mostly focusing on short stories, although I now have two uh, ongoing series that I've been working on. Uh, the first has some art. Uh, that and coming out for it, and by the end of the year, you'll be seeing it. And uh, this uh, comic that I'm going to talk about right now, called Awakening, uh, that's a one-shot uh, sci-fi. I do a lot of sci-fi, do a lot of horror. That's sort of, I guess, what I what I lean towards. And yeah, I've been reading comics as far as I can, as far back as I can remember. You know, uh, on the floor in my bedroom as a child, Batman open. I think I had the untold was it the untold tale of Batman or, or the the one done by Len Wein where they had a tape you could play as well. Uh, I have yes. very fond oh, memories cool. as a child of that. So yeah, I've, I've been reading them my whole life, and at some point I decided I'm just gonna start writing them because I have stories that uh, drive me crazy because they're not existing in the world yet. So that's what I'm doing. Hell yeah, nice. dude! Well, welcome to the show. Um, that's that's really exciting. That's <laughs> I did not know that there was a comic that had a tape that came with it. I, it, Paul, you nodded as if you maybe know what this is. What what the heck is this thing? Well, uh, that might not be the first Batman comic I read, but it's the first Batman comic I remember reading until the covers came off. I had the same edition. It was a, <laughs> is a, a giveaway that they gave away if you mailed in enough box tops from the Batman serial. They, you got a the three issues of the Untold Legend of the Batman. And it came with a cassette tape that was basically a narration of the story. You could read along with the tape. And there's like a theme song for it. Very fine memories of that. That is definitely one of my favorite comics of all time. No way. So Ari, I guess you were in the same boat here then. <laughs> yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, 1980 is when it came out. Written by Len Wein. Uh, penciled by John Byrne and Jim uh, Aparo. Uh, classic Batman, right? Like, And so that's sort of cool. like late 70s, early 80s Batman was kind of my introduction. And then I read a lot of uh, Spider-Man in the 90s uh, and uh, sort of more Marvel stuff. And then I read Sandman sometime in the early 2000s. And my mind sure. being blown, you know, just continued to like <laughs> go down whatever. I was like, oh, wow, comics can do things, you know, uh, right. that giant rabbit hole of like, wow, this is, you know, not a genre. This is a medium and you can do whatever you want. And it's extremely freeing because, you know, the human imagination plus the ability of artists to draw amazing stuff just can result in anything. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know, and people scoff at motion comics, okay? Like, the future <laughs> is now, everybody. That's all I'm saying. If we could listen to tapes and read comics, I mean, we can certainly read animated comics, right? No, that's 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 a joke. Motion comics suck ass. Um, 
<laughs> Before I get onto a, a soapbox, though, let's actually do the thing that we do here every week. Danny in the chat is saying, how dare I? Um, I don't care, Danny. I just don't care. You can't make me do anything. Um, <laughs> let, let me get into the legally mandated questions that I have for this show. Every single week we ask people, how have you been? How have comic books been? So I guess since I didn't number anything in my notes here, let's just start with you, Paul. <laughs> sure. How have you been? How have comic books been? Uh, I've been good. Uh, for those who are curious, we have a West Michigan weather report. Um, it is still winter here in West Michigan. Uh, it's about the mid-20s today. We had a, probably about three to five inches of snowfall last night, so we are not done with winter yet. But oh well. Uh, it's, it's a clear skies today so far. In terms of comics, I've got a couple of things here that I wanted to talk about that I read recently. Uh, first one being Madman the Oddity Odyssey. Uh, this is, of course, written and illustrated by Mike Allred and letters by Laura Allred. And I actually found this at my local shop uh, a couple weeks ago when I was there digging through the bins. And this is a trade that came out in 1993 that reprints the first three issues of Madman Comics from 1991. Nice. Uh, pretty cool little package here. Um, I've read a, a big chunk of Allred's Madman stuff over the years when it was being published in the 90s or late 90s, early 2000s. And then when I got back into reading comics, a little over a decade ago, there was an image series that kind of followed up on that. So I followed that stuff. But I'd never read these early Madman stories before. So it was kind of cool to see the origins of not just Madman, the character, but Mike Allred's style. And what's kind of cool is that his style like, really hasn't changed. To have somebody like to still be making comics, like what, 30 years later? And it's like the style like is still pretty much there. It's a little bit looser at times uh, around the edges. And it's not colored because they're so used to seeing Mike Arwood's uh, art being colored by his wife, Laura. This is all black and white mm -hmm. and grayscale. But it's still there. It's still unmistakably Mike Allred in terms of the artwork and in terms of the story. Uh, Madman, for those that don't know, it's it's not quite a superhero. It's like the, the late 80s black and white indie comics version of a superhero story. Uh, Madman mm -hmm. is a character who has no memory of who he is. He basically has amnesia. And these first three issues are him trying to regain his memories with the help of a couple mad scientists. Um, he also fights an evil mad scientist who's trying to steal their, their, uh, his other friend, mad scientists recipe for bringing back dead human tissue. Cause it turns out a uh, madman is basically a John Doe character who was given the name Frank Einstein by the scientist that rescued him. Um, it's fun stuff there. It's kind of cartoony. There's points that remind me of almost like a Bugs Bunny esque sort of action yeah. humor. Um, it's there's a lot of pop culture references. So if you know Mike Allred's artwork, uh, but maybe not read this stuff, it's pretty fun to go back. I know it's been collected in a lot of different versions over the years, but uh, it's it's very fun stuff. And it's kind of a nice trip down memory lane. Like I said, I was reading this stuff as a teenager, uh, so it's kind of cool to go back and read more Mike Allred stuff, particularly that early early stuff. Yeah, that the only Mad Men that I've ever read was that because I got sucked in because I'm a I'm a sucker. Let's just be let's be honest here. <laughs> Every once in a while, something will happen over at Image Comics and I go, I got to try this. And they sure. did that Madman 3D or yeah, Madman's 3D special where you got the yeah. glasses and stuff. And it was like a twelve dollar <laughs> comic book because it was it was oversized. It was like 100 pages and it came with the 3D glasses. Um, and I think I talked about this way back on the show when I when this happened. But I will rehash it for those of you who maybe didn't listen to the episode <laughs> seven and a half years ago. Um, I remember trying to read this and trying in all sorts of different lights under sunlight, under like yellow, you know, lights from a from a lamp under the fluorescent lights of like a, a, a corporate building. And at no point could I actually discern what was going on when you put the 3D glasses on because it just <laughs> did not work very well. Like, sure. I think 3D works 
under specific circumstances. And I don't know if comic books are the right medium for that. <laughs> like comic books yeah. can do anything. Yeah. I don't know if they can do 3D very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys remember that at all, but that was such a weird thing. And I was like, yeah, let's get this. It's this weird polybag thing. And then I opened it up thinking I should have just saved it, you know, and made the money later. But <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I only know the um, those 3D issues of Final Crisis that Morrison and um, Doug Monkey did, and that actually worked when you put on the glasses for those. So I don't know. Sure. If they, maybe. Sure. Maybe you read it under the red Kryptonian sun. Yeah, that was the trick. Damn. You did that to make it work. So. Yeah, wrong circumstances. I see. Yeah. I see. <laughs> there was the 3D uh, Alan Moore League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I, I forget which one right. is it. The black, the dossier, maybe the back of the black dossier, or something like that. But where you go to the uh, Crossborough takes everyone to the I forget what it's called Blazing World, and it's it has these mm -hmm. glasses that are one red and one green, and the glasses are, and you need to put them on to like actually see what's going on. Otherwise, it's just this three D pages. Interesting. Uh, I recall it working okay, but it was like it was definitely more of a a a concept and an experiment than like a, this is good comics now. Like he didn't do that in the next issue. You know, <laughs> it was like. We're doing this and it's fun and it's a thing that the readers can get involved with and i'm alan moore and you know like whatever goes mm -hmm. but yeah that wasn't kept on <laughs> probably for a reason yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah yeah uh well ari i guess let's let's jump right over to you how have you been i know we kind of talked to you already but how have you been outside of you know being a comic creator and things and how have comic books been what have you been reading uh so i've been doing all right uh like i was saying to everyone before i'm I'm based out of Toronto. I'm originally from Montreal, and I'm actually back in Montreal this weekend uh, to see some family for a bit of a visit and just uh, be swamped by the staggering amount of snow that we have here, which is not unusual for Montreal. It's uh, I just looked up the weather. It's minus 9, uh, which in Fahrenheit is about 15 degrees. So, you know, not super warm uh, and snowy and just kind of fun, which has been and great because Toronto's always milder. So I'm here with my daughter, and so she's like tramping through snow banks and stuff like that, and just you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. mind blown by the by the quantity of stuff everywhere. So, uh, so I've been pretty good. Uh, one thing I've been reading that I really enjoyed, uh, finished it a couple nights ago, was called sorry is called uh, She Eats the Night. It's part of the uh, the Night Eaters. So I don't know if you guys uh, read Monstrous or are familiar. I assume you've heard of it if nothing else sure yeah, uh, yeah. monstrous has been written by marjorie lou and sana takeda it's uh or written by marjorie lou art by sana takeda it's gorgeous which is one of the main draws mm -hmm. of uh, i mean it's well written but it's also gorgeous sana takeda is this amazing artist and uh monstrous was this large fantasy series that i you know read every time a graphic novel comes out i take it out from the library but it's huge and sprawling and very big and uh, they've recently gone and done a much smaller, a tighter story, uh, a very different type of story called The Night Eaters. And The Night Eaters tells the story of uh, this uh, Chinese-American family that's growing up in New York. I guess they originally, the kids originally grew up in Hawaii, but they moved to New York. Uh, the parents are originally uh, from China. And it deals with sort of multi-generational differences. Uh, the mom is hmm. very hard-ass, impossible to please, always just sort of scouring and smoking. Uh, the dad, while being nice and happy with the kids, is still, you know, he, he defers to the mom on everything in terms of, like, the child-raising things. And the kids are what they describe as successful but soft. You know, the dads at one point, they're like, why don't you tell us all this stuff? And dad's like, well, you two are kind of soft. You know, like, you're, we raised you to be that way. We raised you to be these kids that didn't have to do with the old world stuff that we've dealt with. Uh, and so instead of, you know, uh, being a cop and being sort of a fantasy and a horror story, 
uh, the old world stuff is, you know, sort of demon, demon, demon related stuff. I won't give it away too much, but mm -hmm. there's a house, sure. a house across the street and it looks super haunted and creepy and there's creepy dolls and there's terrifying horror plant stuff going on. And at one point the mother's just like, just shoves the kids in there and, you know, it's sort of like, basically I'm done coddling you, you two deal with this, like figure it out, you know, and it's, uh, you know, then the terror begins. Uh, and this is part, <laughs> yeah. And so this is part one of three. So, you know, by the end of part one, yeah. you get a little flavor of, you know, sort of, you know, what's really the story with the parents and, you know, why are they doing these things and why did the mom, you know, take a chunk out of her arm and bleed all over the floor and then eat a heart, you know, like, like all the <laughs> weird terror stuff that hmm. it gets into. Uh, but it's really fun. Yeah. The uh, uh, the characters are really well, uh, really well. I mean, everyone's really well drawn, of course, because just the art is amazing. Yeah. But they're very well written. There's a real interesting generational divide and they flash back to uh, the time before the parents immigrated uh, from, well, from Hong Kong. Uh, so, you know, shows a bit of their origin and it kind of slowly teases out what's happening. So it's, it's well paced as well. Uh, it's the first of, I think, three hardcovers. And uh, yeah, I don't know when the next ones are coming out, but I just read the first and I <laughs> would strongly recommend it to anyone who can get their hands on it. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been waiting for this to come out as well. I haven't had a chance to, to pick it up, but I'm probably going to grab the hardcovers because I need to get Marjorie Luce on a Takeda books like in my life um, because I've, I've <laughs> uh -huh. read through I have all the like digital editions of uh, uh, Monstrous and I love it. I, I haven't read all of it yet, but like if I could just get more of their stuff in my life, I'd be very, very happy. Yeah, I was very happy to see that they're doing another series together because I thought they work so well for Monstrous and it's neat to see them doing just a different thing and also a much smaller thing because Monstrous is huge and sprawling. And every time a new mm -hmm. uh, trade comes out, I go to the library, I take it out, and then I have to like remember all the things that happened because it's this huge like, you know, Civil War fantasy thing, all these characters. Yeah. Uh, so this is a bit refreshing just in terms of we're telling, you know, uh, a family story and it, it jives very much with some of the stuff I've been thinking about and stuff I've been writing about, which is about you know, sort of, I've, I've got this one series, maybe we'll talk about it later that I've been writing, uh, which is a family horror thing, a house horror thing as well. So it's, I'm always happy to read more Ooh. stuff that's, you know, like in line with the way I'm thinking about things. And, you know, sometimes sure. you get inspiration, sometimes you, uh, you know, sometimes you don't and I don't know. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, for me, things have been pretty chaotic. Um, I said this before we started recording, but I have a bit of a toothache. So I'm going to the dentist on Monday, which is going to be really fun. Uh, but beyond that, I did manage to sit down and read some comics. Unfortunately, I read like only comics that are like really deep into a series or stuff that people have already talked about, like at length on the show, because, uh, you know, everybody keeps reading all these good comics. So I have to also read the good comics. Um, but then Nick White um regular on the show sent me a random or he didn't send this send me a random email i got an email from amazon and it was like the spy superb has sent you a special delivery and i was like what the hell is this i thought this was, i had entered some giveaway for the spy superb comic book that came out and i got a copy of spy superb number one and i was racking my brain trying to figure out if like I entered something to get a free copy of this book. And I was like, I wouldn't do that. I don't really like Matt Kemp books that much. Uh, <laughs> and it turns out that Nick had actually just bought this book for me. So uh, the the jerk that he is was like, if you're not going to buy this book, I'm going to buy it for you and make you read it. And then hoard, like lord over you the fact that I bought this book for you until you read it. And I was like, okay, Nick, geez, oh, Pete's. Um, but Nick did talk about this book a couple weeks ago. So you've already heard a bit of what this story is about uh, if you listen to those past episodes. But long and short, 
a doofus becomes the ultimate spy. That's pretty much the gist, the gist <laughs> of this book. And I will say, I I actually liked this book more than I thought I was going to. Like, and don't get me wrong, I like Matt Kent books. I have an entire section of my huge Calix library of comic books dedicated to just Matt Kent books that I own. But I am not. I feel like the last couple books that I've read from him have not been insanely good as I have hoped or I felt about his previous work. So going into this, I was like, you know what? I'll just wait for the trade. I'm sure it's going to be fine. It's going to be a good book. It's him and Charlene, his wife, you know, um, doing the the, the entire shebang, writing and drawing and, and coloring and stuff. Um, but it turns out that this book is is pretty good and it's really wordy. It's got a lot of smart characters and chaotic action moments that you would expect from Matt Kent that are like both kinetic and also extremely frozen in time like Matt Kent's art style to me does not lend to like really high action stories and yet he keeps doing books that are about high action things um so it was really interesting to see this book where it's like a Mr. Magoo's type story where you're like somehow this guy he's walking blindly through a construction site and everything is falling around him and he's somehow fine um and that's kind of like the focus of this book is idiot super spy which is is very very funny um so yeah i i like it i liked what i read for a free first issue that nick bought for me i totally think that everybody <laughs> should get nick to buy you the first issue of this book um but you know charlene kent's colors are great like this book really does a great job of steadily slipping from serious super spy universe into a dumb comedy very very naturally without you realizing it until the very end you're like oh that book was actually funnier than i thought it was going to be so if you didn't get a chance to check this out wait for the trade uh <laughs> or get nick to buy you a coffee uh that's all sure. i could say um i don't know did paul did you end up did nick buy this for you or did you end up checking this out at all no i feel a little put out because nick didn't buy me a copy so um <laughs> where's where's my copy nick uh i, I don't know i think you 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 kind of like have the same approach as i do like i like matt kin books and i read them but like is this tied in with the uh the super spy stuff because i read some of that and i feel like it's one of those things like I don't know where to go with it. So it's almost like reading yeah. Mike Mignola where it's just like, where do you go with Hellboy? There's so many different things. Mm -hmm. You just jump in at random points and I kind of got lost I with haven't, that stuff. I haven't read any of the super spy stuff. Okay. Uh, I think this is just, it's it's unfortunately titled. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or if, yeah, it, yeah. if it does tie back into the, his super spy work, I don't know how it does because I haven't read okay. that serious stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Paul, any other books that you read b before uh, we, we move forward, I guess? Yeah, I, also yeah. I did read um, I did read the um, newest issue of The Human Target. That's number 11, the penultimate issue of the series uh, written by Tom King, art by Greg Smallwood, uh, letters by Clayton Cowles. Uh, sounds like everyone is enjoying the series based on your responses on the video here. <laughs> yeah, our, um, <laughs> our video responses that everyone can definitely hear. Great radio. Yeah, yeah, great I'm, radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is a great series we talked about on the show before. Um, it's just a really engaging story. It's a good mystery story. Although at this point, I feel like we kind of know what happened. Like at this point, it's the penultimate issue. The mystery of who accidentally, quote unquote, poisoned uh, Christopher Chance, the human target, has kind of been solved. Uh, and this issue kind of gives him and uh, Ice a, a day to just reflect on their relationship and what they've gone through. Um, Christopher Chance gets to ruminate on the nature of life and death and ice gets to have a mm. sort of a moment where she explains um you know, her side of the story what she has been going through what she's been dealing with and there's a really beautiful moment where and of course the whole book is beautiful because greg smallwood's artwork is unreal on this book dude um 
when so she's good. telling a story, it's a kind of like a monologue where on each side of the page, there's like snapshots of what she's describing. And then the dialogue is kind of running parallel to it. So it's not quite a normal comic book page. And it kind of breaks the rhythm of the book in a really interesting way. Hmm. And there's something about the way that Smallwood chooses the colors for it. It's like all these really like contrasting oranges and greens and blues. It just pops off the page. And so it's, again, every issue of this book, I just have to stop and stare at just like, why did he choose that particular color scheme? And why does it mm-hmm. work so well? You know, there's very few books that make you kind of like stop and think about particular color choices. And the whole series so far has been this. So I'm guessing there might be a twist in the next issue, the final issue. Who knows? Or this is the end of Christopher Chance. Who knows? <laughs> You think DC loves killing their characters or what? Like, you think they actually will do that? Uh, I mean, <laughs> they only let Tom King do it between, you know, between Scott Free and Christopher Chance. It's like, well, do whatever you want, you know? True. And the True. last book he did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, which one was that? Uh, Strange Adventures. Oh, Strange, Strange Adventures, right? too. Yeah. 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 yeah can, we, can we just talk about how uh, unbelievable Greg Smallwood is again? I know, I feel like this has been like the thing I've been saying on this show for many, many years now, but I have yeah. never seen more beautiful comic book pages in my life than i've seen in uh the human target like unbelievably beautiful just simple i mean they appear simple right they probably are actually (laughs) like incredibly high crafted like he spends hours meticulously laying out pages and stuff but like there some there are pages in this book i think around like issue four or five or six where you see uh, you, you see the the ice and and Christopher Chance like hanging out and they're just like going for a drive and it's like some of the most beautiful picturesque co- comic book pages you've ever seen in your life and I'm like where did where does that talent come from how who the fuck is Greg Smallwood and who why how was he allowed to do this to us you know <laughs> I I just oh that book is so good it's 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 easily some of his best work ever you know yeah. which is crazy because he's done some miraculous stuff in the past uh, upsettingly good is how i describe it to myself because i'm reading i'm like i want to flip to <laughs> yes. the next page because tom king's writing like you know when it when it moves you know it doesn't always move sometimes it's more you know more more plotted more paced more dense mm-hmm. there's a couple mm-hmm. issues like that but when it does i'm like i want to see what happens next but i also just want to stare <laughs> like i'm gonna take a <laughs> I, I can always go back and look at it you know you, you got it so you can see it but it's That's it's so good. unbelievable uh greg smallwood put a thing on uh, a little while ago about Twitter, about uh, a bit of a deep dive into uh, his art process, which was very uh, illuminating, uh, where he said, I basically <laughs> use three different styles or three different approaches. I draw the hands and the face in this detailed uh, approach. I draw everything else in a, uh, like the rest of the body in a different style. Then I draw the background and everything in a different style. And he talks about uh, his inspiration hmm. from 1970s Disney animation, where if you look at uh, was a, a oh, yeah. 101 Dalmatians. The lines, the coloring yep. is not lined up with the outlines. Uh, so everything right. is a little off. And that's what's going on in this book. Uh, and anyway, mm-hmm. he just, it was a deep dive, sort of, you know, long Twitter uh, thread or whatever into this. And it was just like the most, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what I want out of this. You know, I don't want people debating bullshit on Twitter. That's not, not what I'm there for. I'm there to hear someone <laughs> be like, here's how I do my art. It's like, it's way more than you think it is. It was like, yeah, it is. What's amazing. It can be that, that complex of a process, but it doesn't look complicated. That weird trick oh. of being able to doing something that's so, you know, complex, but it just flows off the page. It looks like effortless. And that, that's the things, that's the black magic that he's doing on this book. You know? Yeah. That's the magic trick is like, yeah, it looks like, Oh, obviously it's just a, but then you start looking closely and you're like, there's way more going on here than like, you know, you would notice. But it's so good. The colors yeah. are phenomenal. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Are we, we, listen, all right. We can do a whole episode on Human Target. We Maybe one day we will. Uh, let me talk about yeah, one more yeah. book before we take our break. Uh, I read, so there was uh, Shonen Jump, uh, if you're if you're not familiar, you know, puts out a magazine every, every week in Japan, um, here in the United States. They don't, I think you used to be able to buy it. I think you can still buy it. I don't know how you get it um, in English digitally. Um, but instead, if you're you're one of the people like me, I subscribe to the Shonen Jump app, which is like $3 a month to get access to everything that Viz, for the most part, publishes in English um, in chapter format. And they put out a new chapter uh, for a brand new series called Zhangxi X, which is by Norihiko Kurizono. And the synopsis that they give is not what the first chapter is about. And that's fine. That's usually how like the opening of manga is. Um, and the, the synopsis they give is a silent darkness threatens a thousand years of peace. Who can stand up to a great evil in Zhangxi? Young warriors become the light that defends this, that defeats despair. Welcome to this new Chinese battle fantasy series. And like, I don't really know too much about like, uh, like Chinese history or like the, the history between Japan and China. Like, I'm just some guy who lives in America. But um, I did watch and read Dragon Ball. <laughs> So I know that uh, what is it going to the west or coming to the west? Journey to the uh, west is is a thing. Journey to the west, thank you, uh, is a thing. Um, and you could, I can definitely see some inspiration um, of that that uh, Akira Toriyama took in his book. It's kind of reflected in this uh, Zhangxi X or Zhangxi X, and uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting book. Uh, it's it was ninety one pages uh in as a as a first chapter which is significant for a first chapter in shonen jump now i found out this is a one shot that was published so that's why it was a little bit longer um in my mind all i can think of was the viz company shonen jump seshua the company that is in in japan they're really really pushing this book because it feels like it's got all the trappings of uh merchandising and anime potential and like really cool characters like there's this whole very wholesome trio of characters who are all trying to become these essentially these warriors who can go out and fight these vampire monsters that exist in the world because something bad happened. Darkness is looming over everything. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really, really fun. And I love the first chapter. Like every time I was like, Oh no, it's going to fall into this dumb shonen Trump trope. It took a left turn in a way that I found to be interesting and still felt like the vibes of dragon ball or Naruto um, where there is this, we're young kids where we have this, all this hope to be the most powerful versions of these, these warriors. Yeah, I thought it was a really good book, and I think that it's going to be probably a very promising, like, I could see this go for 100, 200, 300 chapters without any steam being let up, because fans are probably very rabid for for this type of book. So if you get a chance, it's free. You can go read it at the uh, viz.com slash Shonen Jump. We're not sponsored. I just think everybody should read it because it's pretty good. If you want some fun battle manga that does things that make it less cringy than things like Dragon Ball or Naruto or whatever. Um, and I know I say that with love in my heart for those series, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I don't know. Paul, I want to get your take on it. That's what I'm sitting right now. 91 <laughs> okay. pages. I promise you'll read it in 10 minutes. It's great. I'll check it out. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be more open-minded and read more manga this year. So there mm. we go. Okay. The fabled Kate and, Kate and Renee's manga show, where you're going to be the first guest on that That's... that we're going to do on Patreon. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, well, cool. I guess we're going to take a quick break. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to talk to Ari a bit more about their Kickstarter they have coming right now. And uh, we're going to talk about what's on the top of our pile. So we'll be back in just a second. Hey folks, I want to tell you about a new comic podcast I've been turned on to called The Comics That We Love. It's a show hosted by Zach McCrary, a lifelong comics fan who has always felt that comics were more than just capes and cowls. 
He believes that comics can touch every emotion and it can help us understand the world around us. Each week, Zach and a guest sit down to discuss a story that cemented their love of sequential art, learn about the people who created it, and then break down what it is that made that story great. Whether it's sci-fi, fantasy, horror, manga, or superheroes, you'll leave every episode with a much deeper understanding of the book that they discussed. Sometimes he's joined by creators to talk about what it's like to bring their characters to life. Recent episodes include The Incredible Hulk, Future Imperfect, Captain America Winter Soldier, Brian K. Vaughn's Saga, Chainsaw Man, and Akira. I'll say, listening to a few episodes of this show has astounded me with the depth at which Zack dives into these comics, and it's been a real treat to listen to. The Comics We Love is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else you can download and stream podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at at the comics that we love for more. This week on I Read Comic Books, we're talking to Ari Gross about their Kickstarter that's coming up. But before we get into that, we've got to get into the books that are on the top of our pile, comics that are new or old or just books that have been sitting on our shelves that we finally are getting around to. So let's talk about comics that are on top of our pile. Ari what are you reading next? What's on the top of your pile over here? So I am looking forward to the Sins of Sinister event. Uh, looking forward to a Marvel event. Uh, insane, some might say. But, yes. Uh, I <laughs> I really enjoyed the previous uh, Kieran Gillen uh, sort of X-Men, not just X, it was X-Men Eternals and Avengers, uh, the Axe Judgment mm-hmm. Day event, uh, which worked really well as far as events go, because instead of doing the standard event thing of like, I don't know, like Null is attacking. Now everyone has to fight a Null villain or something. The Judgment Day was like, justify yourself. And so it was just an excuse for a bunch of <laughs> deep dive character studies. Like Spider-Man has to, yeah. you know, has to do the like, do I do more good in the world? Do I, you know, you get all that anxiety with Spider-Man and then Dr. Doom has to justify himself. And he's like, bah, I'm Dr. Doom. You know, like the, yeah. you know, it's so you, you get uh, the good character moments uh, that I think people are really looking for. And Kieran Gillen is great. Uh, I th- don't think that's a controversial statement at all. Uh, so if, totally. if he's leading this, uh, that's great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he does or what he continues to do with Sinister. So I read some X-Men back in the day, uh, like, you know, the 90s, uh, mostly like and I, my, my favorite X-Men villains were like, you know, Mag- Magneto and a bunch of other stuff. I didn't really care for Mr. Sinister. I was like, oh, this clone guy. Because at the time, the Spider-Man clone thing was happening, and I just wasn't interested in that at all. I was like, oh, clones. Yay, it's the 90s. Who cares about clones, you know? Uh, you know, A was, lot of people care about clones, actually, a lot it turns of people, out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. <laughs> but I got really into Mr. Sinister recently because, and I think it started with, was it X-Men? I don't know. It was it Red. It was a previous, I think it was Kieran Gillen, where he started writing him as just this uh, this very sassy, like over-the-top kind of campy, mm-hmm. like amazing villain who's funny. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, always up to like shenanigans, like everyone. And in the new Krakoa world, everyone's been like, Sinister's on side, but like, we really don't trust this guy. Uh, right, and he shouldn't. Right. His name is Mr. Sinister. <laughs> you know, like he's not there for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so now things that right. have been building for a couple years at least are uh, coming to a head, and it's interesting to see sort of how this all spills over. And it might be a super sloppy, terrible event. It might have a few fun moments, but either way, I'm curious to see what happens, and I want to read more Mr. Sinister. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, did you read the Hellions run that came out as part of like this House of X, Dawn of X, Powers of Ten, blah, blah, blah universe that we're in that Hickman caused? Because if you want to read more Mr. Sinister, that Hellions run is all about what if Mr. Sinister led a team of B-list X-Men characters because they're all like former villains or reformed villains and they have to basically do his bidding because he's the boss and he's in the quiet council. Um, I think if you want more Mr. Sinister, Zeb Wells wrote that book. Does It's probably one of my favorite runs in recent history. Um, but it's his, his, his Mr. Sinister is very different than Kieran Gillen's Mr. Sinister, who I think is cleverer. Zeb Wells' Mr. Sinister is kind of just a jerk with go on a power trip, which is a fun thing to read. But Kieran Gillen definitely feels like he's put a lot more effort into the sinisterness of Mr. Sinister. <laughs> yeah, I, I did read Hellions and I really enjoyed it. Uh, that was, it was a great okay. run and it's uh, it was, it was nice too. Cause it was a, a story. It ended more or less with the characters, you know, like it was always like nice to have them go on, but it's also nice to have like, Oh, here's a great run that did a thing. And it accomplished its goal, you know, like its goal is to, you know, mm-hmm. get people invested in these other characters, maybe push things forward a little bit with some of them and just have some like totally. sinister chaos. Yeah. When you were saying the Mr. Sinister is a little <laughs> different, I was wondering like, is it even the same Mr. Sinister? Like I can't even remember if there was supposed oh my to be gosh. the same. All right. Hold on. That's a different, <laughs> that's a totally different thing. Totally different thing. But yeah, I mean, obviously um, Zeb Wells and Kieran Gillian are going to write their characters a little differently, but they stick to the uh, kind yeah. of like sassy, embrace the chaos. Sometimes he's more on the, I planned everything along. Sometimes it's more on the, just like grab the stuff and run, you know, uh, sort of version yeah, of yeah, the yeah. character. But either way, I, I, I had a great time reading that run. And yes, yeah, a strong second for that, for anybody who wants to check it out. Yeah, very, very um, rarely do I buy like full hardcover collections of series runs. And like that, that Hellions run was one of the very few that I own. But I will say along the sins of Sinister. So I, I read that because it, it came out recently and Danny was talking about it a bunch. And I was like, OK, we got to read this. Um, uh, shout outs to Danny, our, our good bud who's you know, on the show. And uh, yeah, so I read that and I'm very excited because this is this event, however you want to call it, is like a sidetrack of all the existing X-Men runs. And I'm super pumped because it's Cy Spurrier and Al Ewing and Kieran Gillen all like it's a British invasion of the X-Men. And I'm so hyped for that because right there, you've got three of the best names in Marvel Comics, as far as I'm concerned, writing the X-Men. They're my favorites. Like I'm 2023 is coming up, Mike, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) So I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, but you know, I'm glad you're excited. I'm, I'm curious. I'll be curious to hear what your thoughts are. You know, if we we'll have to stay in touch after the episode, of course. And um, I'm yeah, eagerly awaiting what you what you think about this. But uh, Paul, what about you? What are you uh, What are you excited for? What's on the top of your pile? Well, uh, it's literally on top of my pile because I picked it up at the shop yesterday, and that is the best of 2000 AD Volume Two. It's got this beautiful Becky Cloonan cover that I adore. Nice. Um, this is the second volume of what they're calling the Ultimate 2000 AD Mixtape. For those of you who have not heard me rave about 2080 or this series so far. Obviously, 2080 is the long-running British anthology series. It's best known for where Judge Dredd stories appear, but it's much more than that. And I think it's never quite broken into mainstream American comics culture in a big way, aside from Judge Dredd, really. Uh, and this is their attempt to kind of introduce it to new readers. So each volume of this best of collection will have new stories, classic stories from both um, the recent 2080 or older 2080. So I raved about the first volume a couple episodes ago, maybe when it came out. 
it actually got a few people, uh, a few listeners to pick it up on my recommendation, which is kind of cool. Glad they enjoyed it. Nice. Because I'm always hesitant to recommend stuff in case someone doesn't doesn't dig it. But um, this collection features a brand new Judge Dredd story written by Al Ewing with art by Colin Wilson. So there's, there's their selling Speaking point of. right there. Yep. Uh, classic Dread story by Alan Grant and Mike McMahon. And again, I had this this thought the other day. It's like it's very hard to pick a favorite Judge Dread artist, but Mike McMahon is like top two for me. Like, so I'm very excited to read some classic Mike McMahon Judge Dread. Totally. Uh, aside from Dread, we we get a, another volume of Brink, which is the series by Dan Abnett and Ian J. Colbert. That's sort of the sci-fi mystery story. Uh, the first part of book one was in the the previous best of, and it was great. So I'm excited to read more of that. In terms of classic 2000 AD, we'll get uh, Nemesis the Warlock, the first chapter of that, written by Pat Mills and art by Kevin O'Neill, the late, great Kevin O'Neill. And then um, you can't have a 2000 AD story or a collection without some Alan Moore. So we get an ABC <laughs> Warrior story written mm-hmm. by Alan Moore, art by Steve Dillon and John Higgins. I mean, that's, again, all-star lineup, top to bottom in this collection. If it's anything like the first one, it's going to be a must-buy. So yeah, excited to dig in. Dude, I don't understand how 2000 AD... <laughs> flies so far under the radar with all the names that are in this book right like if you're if you're talking about like this is like imagine if you picked up a bootleg you know va or v, bootleg tape off of the street of like random beatles songs or something like it's insane <laughs> like alan moore gets his start here gets part of his start here like steve dylan yep. uh you know it's it's unbelievable i mean we, brian boland eventually you know like it's insane <laughs> the the creative talent that's working in this magazine and yet people are just like i don't know if i really want to read an anthology magazine every month it's like <laughs> are you crazy and i say this because i'm one of those people too like what am i doing sitting down my my ass over here it's crazy <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's, it's 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 like there's this whole other like thing that all your favorite creator, all your favorite British creators did this whole career before they came to the U S <laughs> and like, you don't know about right. it, you know, it's all Seeger, but I'm, I'm, so I'm really glad the way they've structured these best of collections. It's again, it's, is that mixtape feel where you get new and old. It's a great collection of stuff. And the, the problem is like, I know I'm going to read the first chapter of nemesis, the warlock, which I've never read any of this stuff. I'm going to love it. I'm going to have to buy all the back, you know, matter, all the collections of it. So it's great to buy this stuff, but it also makes you want to buy even more comics, which I guess is the point. You know, my <laughs> poor gotcha. wallet doesn't really, it doesn't really like it. That's what a good comic should do. Yeah, yeah exactly. 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 Yeah. I, I'd like to uh, continue the, uh, if I may, the, uh, uh, the 2000 AD sort of Please. love uh, on, if there's, if there's one thing I would recommend is Alan Moore's, uh, I think it's Tharg's Future Shocks or the, uh, the collection of Future Shocks and Time Twisters which are these short stories. I think they're typically two pages long, black and white. I think a lot of it's Steve Dillon. Uh, did I say Steve Dillon? Or, uh, okay. Sorry, I forget the author, but it's Alan Moore who's, who's uh, doing, or the artist, but Alan Moore is doing a lot of them. Uh, they're all these little short stories, just sci-fi short stories, you know, like classic, like, you know, twists, two page long things. And if anyone wants to get a, uh, just a glimpse into the mind of Alan Moore, at least when he was writing these, it's it's great and in, mm-hmm. i really love shy, sci-fi short stories the classic sort of twilight zone style uh twist mm-hmm. you know just a setup and like an interesting thing happens in it and you know i think it's going one way but it's not or whatever and this is a great collection of that i forget how it's been published i think it's had a few releases but future shocks is the one uh that i think that's the the class of story or the type of story that are included in them and and mm-hmm. alan moore's future shocks if you look that up you'll find it that's my mm-hmm. 2080 reckon. I'm pretty sure they all came out in 2000 AD. Like I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. 
No, that's great. I'm. This is the thing. Like somebody recommended. Uh, like Graham sent me an email saying, uh, "Listener to the show said, hey, Mike, you got to try out this Strontium Dogs book, right? And it's a collection of all the Strontium <laughs> Dog like eight page stories. And I, I'm loving it. It's like every time I dig into 2000 AD, I'm like, you know what? I should just stop buying Western comics and just go back and <laughs> listen to read all of these old 2000 AD comics, and then, then I'll be truly satisfied and a real comics fan. Uh, or something. I don't know what I'll be accomplishing <laughs> there, but uh, <laughs> I guess like speaking of folks that have listened to the show, I'm going to give a shout out to folks that are hanging out with us on Discord today, and they all sent over their picks, what's on the top of their pile. Danny, who's also proofless in the show. Danny's here. He's live with us, but he did give us a book. He's reading uh, Dark Web Finale number one from Marvel Comics. Sam is reading Deserter by Junji Ito. I've been I keep seeing this on the shelf at my comic shop and I'm I'm very close. So Sam, let me know what you think of it. Uh Stephanie said they're reading Akira. Keith's reading Superman Up in the Sky, classic stuff right there. And Graham is reading Monsters by Barry Windsor Smith, another book that I'm like, Fanographics keeps sending me promos like, Mike, have you read the book? Have you read it? I'm like, I <laughs> that 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 cover the freaks me book. out. I don't know if I'm gonna like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I've, I've seen it on a couple best of lists, so I definitely should eventually check it out. I mean, like, can Fanographics publish a bad book, like a truly awful book? Spoilers, they can because I've read one. But not all of them are bad. <laughs> Most of them are really good. I usually like them. Uh, so Monsters has got to be pretty good, right? Paul, you're you're giving me some nods like you, you understand what I'm talking about here. I know what you're talking about. I, again, I see this book on the shelf every time I go to the shop and I want to buy it, but it's this giant hardcover, you know, and it looks intimidating. It's a monster. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally. It's like, it literally uh, is a monster. <laughs> yeah. But I love Barry Windsor Smith's artwork. So I, one, one day yeah. I'm going to have to break down and just pick it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally feel you there. Maybe it'll show up on Hoopla or something. I feel like it's a disservice to read a book that's like oversized like this in a digital format because like it was intentionally printed in this bombastic size for a reason. So maybe that's important. Um, but yeah, just like scrolling through some of the preview pages, I'm just like, my God, like the detail in the artwork in this book. Barry Windsor Smith slaved over this book for years for you to read it on your phone on the subway. Mike. So that's <laughs> what you you got to do. Listen, it. <laughs> this is like Christopher Nolan thinks that you should never watch a, a movie on your phone. And here I am. I'm watching Tenet on an iPad Nano or iPod Nano. So <laughs> fuck you, man. <laughs> Um, but let me get to the book that I'm excited for, uh, the book that's on the top of my pile, and that is Rock Candy Mountain Volume 1. This is written and drawn by Carl Starks with colors by Chris Schweitzer, who would later go on to do six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton on art with, with Kyle Starks. So like this combo is killer. I, if you don't know what this book is, because I truly didn't, and I'll explain why. Um, the synopsis is come inside and meet the mysterious, unbeatable Hobo Jackson on his quest to find the mythical Hobo Heaven. Meet his sidekick, Pomona Slim, but watch out for the devil and the FBI and the hobo mafia, too. It's a fantastical fisticuff frolic through post-World War II America via the rails and backroads through underground fight clubs, prison and the hobo jungles wrought with dangers, hobo fights, jokes and locomotive excitement. I mean, this feels like a Kyle, like a Kyle Starks book. Like it, I've heard his voice in my head saying it out loud. And I'm like, OK, this is probably going to be the funniest comic book that I pick up this year. Um, and I know this came out a long time ago. But I'll be completely honest. The reason why I avoided this book, not because I didn't know who Kyle Starks was, not because I didn't think it looked interesting, not because it's about hobos on a train. If you guys remember way back in the day, there was this YouTube video or series of YouTube videos about this unicorn and they were going to they were going to go up to Candy Mountain, Charlie. It was the dumbest thing in the world. I think I'm cutting into a really weird side of of my Internet history, Um, but I could not stand those videos all throughout college. People thought it was the funniest thing in the world. 
I couldn't, it just never clicked for me. And I was like, I don't understand why we think it's funny. That these unicorns stole a guy's kidney. Um, and that's like the <laughs> bit of the, of the video. I don't know. So needless to say, I, I, I took that and it was ingrained in my brain. And I just assumed that anything that had the word candy mountain in it was not going to be good, which is why I avoided this book. It's the worst reason to not read a comic book, but here we are. I heard someone talking about where monsters lie. Number one, which is coming out very soon and which is written by Kyle Starks. And I'm like, I need more Kyle Starks in my life. What haven't I read in his backlog? And it turns out it's this. So I'm diving into rock candy mountain. I don't know. How can I not trust Kyle Starks? That's probably the better question here. Uh, I, right. I've got a copy of both volumes of this, like the trades at home of Rock mm -hmm. Candy Mountain. And uh, this is one of the one of the comics that like, like I cried at the end. Like it's, it's funny. Oh, it's shit. really funny. It's also really <laughs> emotional. And it's just so good. Yeah. It's so good. I yeah, yeah. I, I really love Kyle I mean, Starks. And this is like up there in terms of my favorites from him. Okay. Yeah, this, that's the thing. Kyle Starks, he is a fantastic comic writer, right? He knows how to get you and he knows how to like tell a funny story that has a lot of heart. Like if you read his old head book, I really like that book. I like found it to be ridiculous because it's like vampires and NBA jam and like space jam all at once. It's so goofy. And yet there's like a heart at the core of the entire book. It's great. It, like I, I who, who, what was I doing? Not trusting Kyle Starks. That's what it comes down to. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that because where monsters lie comes out next week. And I can't wait to get okay. that with Peter Kowalski um, or Kowalski who did sex way back in the day. Um, fantastic artist. He also did a uh, Marvel Knights incredible Hulk with Matt Kent, which was a, beautiful book um highly recommend that if you're looking for more peter kowalski in your life but anyways uh i think that that about wraps it up for top bar pile so i guess let's let's just jump right into things ari you're working on a kickstarter right now I am. um for the folks at home who maybe haven't clicked on the link in the show notes could you tell us a little bit about that so i have my uh my first kickstarter uh my first my very first kickstarter baby's first kickstarter called uh uh for a comic <laughs> sci-fi one-shot comic called awakening it is a Star Trek inspired sci-fi comic one shot. It's actually uh, two stories in one. There's the main story called Awakening and there's a backup story called Chosen, uh, which was previously published uh, as part of the Scott Snyder Presents Tales from the Cloakroom Anthology, uh, which I was involved with. That's a bunch of us. Uh, so here, let me take you right back to my uh, my comic origin story. So not the how did I read comics because we Perfect. talked a bit about mm -hmm. that, but like how did I write them? So. Two years ago, I decided I'm going to write comics. There's a whole background to that, but a story for another time. I'm going to write comics. So I started writing this one series, very long. Uh, I put it to the side. Uh, after I, I did it, I wrote a story from beginning to end, or at least the end of the first arc of it. And everyone's like, that's great. Now learn how to write a comic. And I was like, but I wrote a comic. They're like, that's not, you just wrote it. You wrote a thing, but have you made a comic? I said, well, no. Have you, have right. you worked with an artist to draw a comic? I was like, well, no. And they're like, do that first. Do a short, do a few things. And so as part of learning how to do comics, which is, of course, different than learning how to do prose or anything else, you know, I mean, there's some similarities, but mm -hmm. you, it's a, just it's a different medium with different rules and different conventions and stuff like that. <clears throat> I uh, signed up for the, just on a whim, really, for the Scott Snyder uh, comic class, which he offered. Uh, he, this is now in his second year, and uh, he offered... I guess it was it was you know a year and a half ago or something when it started. So a bunch of us got together mm -hmm. uh, as part of the class and pretty immediately into it, someone was like, "Hey, let's do an anthology." Uh, I was like, "Okay, like sure." 
And because cool. this is Scott Snyder's thing, his personal uh, label or whatever is called My Best ja- is My Best Jacket. Best Jacket. Jeez, I'm going to be like pillared for not remembering it's something this. something with the jacket. So, it's not My Best. It's a Best yeah, Jacket no, no, Productions. That's, okay. that's it. Best Jacket Productions, I think. Yeah, Best Jacket Press. There press, we go, yeah. thank you. Yeah, BJP, yeah. Yeah, Danny, Danny's got it. He's helping us in the Discord chat over here, yeah. Yeah, thanks, Danny. <laughs> Uh, best jacket press uh, and jacket is j-a-c-k-e-t-t it's a portmanteau of his uh two kids names uh i don't know i forget what they are <laughs> sorry scott uh and so we decided <laughs> to make an anthology based on the theme the core theme of a jacket so a jacket has to be in there every uh at, at every step of the way uh and so i wrote this mm-hmm. sci-fi story about this kid who gets this jacket as basically like a Green Lantern style sort of thing where, you know, it's like it's the he's cool. part of this space cop thing with a jacket. And this was a story called Chosen. And it's sort of like, what does it mean to actually be chosen? Is it because you're special or because you're something else, you know? Uh, and so that was a six page uh, story that got in there. And that sort of started me down the like writing the sci-fi thing. And so I felt like I wrote something that was kind of like a Green Lantern-y sort of, you know, kind of uh, almost like wish fulfillment science fiction with a bit of a twist to it. And that got me thinking about other science fiction stories that I really want to uh, to write, or, or you know, science fiction styles I want to write in. And I said, let's do Star Trek. Uh, I've thought for a long time, uh, you know, I I'm not one of those people who's seen every Star Trek thing. I'm right now in my cousin's house, who's uh, who's just like I just finished watching all of Enterprise too, and now I've seen all of everything up to Enterprise from like the original series, like all through DS9, all through Voyager. I'm like, that's a lot. I'm I don't know if I have the time in my life to do that, but good for you. Uh, <laughs> it's there's a competition i think in the world of people who like watch star trek and people who watch like every episode of one piece the anime right like i think it's, it's <laughs> yeah. comparable in some capacity right <laughs> yeah i've i've decided uh at least as of a couple of years ago like if i'm gonna write i have to be super picky about like what i watch uh just because otherwise oh sure like yeah. just time in the day and everything you know uh so anyway this is all a very long way of saying i wrote a star trek story uh, which is not a it's a a not a star trek tm story it's a i don't know they're in the confederation or like you know whatever so it's like it's an obvious like uh, the trappings of star trek but with a different style of story so the setup is it all right, begins with right. a uh, sort of a shock in the ship you know uh, the the navigator lieutenant lao is like confused what's going on and you know sort of turns to the readers and is like seeing something that no one else in the ship is seeing and uh, they're very, you know, like he starts acting, he's, he's kind of crazy, he gets sedated, taken off to bed bay, and uh, it's revealed that the ship is in front of this, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're in this new galaxy at the, the edge of this, this, this galaxy they've never been to, no one can get into it, it's called the Silent Spiral, and they're looking at the strange celestial anomaly and they can't figure it out. And so it starts from there, and, uh, you know, the questions are, you know, why is he acting the way that he is? Uh, is he seeing something that is there, something that is not there? How does this relate to the anomaly? What is the anomaly? And then uh, gets to play mm-hmm. on all the different uh, people's role in the ship. Uh, you know, you have sort of the security officer who comes in conflict with the uh, with sort of the Vulcan type science officer. The captain's trying to keep peace. You know, you have people. So it sort of spirals out from there. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, cool. it's a nice self-contained sci-fi story. It's uh, and I'm including chosen in it because it goes uh, very well with it. Because people who read the story, you'll mm-hmm. you'll get it when you get there. And uh, in addition to those two stories, I also made a bunch of trading cards because I love uh, comics trading cards. As a kid, I I have yeah. I have a binder. <laughs> it's probably six inches thick of all like the Marvel and DC trading cards from like the '90s back mm-hmm. in the day. And I was nice. that's all I wanted to do was make those. And just as like pure wish fulfillment child, you know, 
So I made eight trading cards <laughs> for this, which uh, I included in the, the back two pages. So you can read, they're all like basically character bios, but like I get to make stuff up. So it's mm -hmm. just sort of fun, you know, as like I've already written the story and now I just get to have a little bit of fun with it. So, uh, and you know, I get to be a little yeah. funny with them as well, uh, where the story is a little less humorous than a lot of my other writing, which tends, I try to keep it a little lighter, a little funnier as well, you know, depending on what I'm writing. So, uh, so yeah, sure. um, th this is going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a lot of, uh, maybe it's not going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of me talking about this over the next month. I certainly hope that, uh, that yeah. people are interested <laughs> and excited in it as I am. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that's like, finally, my one shot comic is out, you know, after this, like I'll have mm -hmm. done a thing, but like, it's been just occupying so much of like my, my mind space, you know, for like the last six months or whatever. Oh, sure. and, uh, it's sure. kind of funny at least for me to be at the end of like almost there, you know, almost done, like almost mm -hmm. like I can stop like obsessing over every last detail of like designing the thing and like, you know, making sure like the stars on the background of the interior cover look nice and all like the little, I'm doing all the details mm -hmm. for this <laughs> myself. So it's all, wow. it's been an gotcha. experience. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's nice. Perfect. You've answered like the first nine questions that I had in our documents. So thanks for that. Uh, no, I, which is interesting because, you know, I feel like when it comes to self-published comics, um, you know, a lot of people wear a lot of hats, right? It's 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 very different than like, you know, working for a Marvel or DC or even image in some cases, right? Because you'll you'll hire out a designer and stuff or you'll hire out like four or five different people. You've got editors, you've got assistant people, you've got all this other stuff. Whereas, and you know, folks trying to figure out what cover is going to end up on your book. Whereas if you're self-publishing, you know, for, for Kickstarter, like, um, or even just like publishing elsewhere, you know, like if you're just like working with a small press publisher, you kind of have to sort all that stuff out because there isn't some company or anything working out. So how did you go about you know, like organizing, okay, we're going to get a cover that looks like this, or we're going to do, who's going to make the trading cards, who's going to do the layout of the of the book. Um, I guess, how did you de delegate or how did you work with your other creator, the co-creators on this book um, to make that all come together? Yeah. So the first thing I did, obviously, I got the artist, color artist. Uh, my letterer is also my editor. The editor, of, oh, cool. one of the editors of the, uh, the, the Tales from the Cloakroom anthology, uh, Aubrey Lynn, uh, Lynn Jepson, who has been a phenomenal person to work with. Uh, there's another editor, yeah. Chris, uh, who's also phenomenal to work with, but Aubrey has been my editor specifically for this and for all things that I've been doing sort of since and before, I guess. Yeah, she's great. So it was a pretty tight team, just the four of us. I decided because I liked, you know, I have a little, I don't have a background in like visuals or design or something, but I taught myself a couple years ago, Adobe Illustrator, and I know how to do that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Plus, I was like, I want to learn how to do some things. This is when I was between jobs and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, before... I got a job. Sure. I, my, my day job, by the way, is as a data scientist. Uh, that's the, the pays the bills thing, uh, which is, uh, but there was a period in time between working for the government and like working at the science center and doing all these other weird and interesting things I've done in the past when I was like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. So I spent some time and just learned a bunch of uh, computer skills, uh, graphic skills. I'm not an artist. I cannot mm -hmm. draw, but I could do reasonably good uh, vector stuff and design stuff. And so I was sure. like, because I just sort of messed around with that a few years ago, I was like, well, this is a good opportunity for me to use those skills and just do everything myself. Like I, you know, made the thing in, sure. uh, you know, uh, did all the pages in Illustrator, then, you know, uh, exported them to InDesign. Uh, so all the decisions of who's going to do what were like me, because I just wanted to, like all the trading cards, I was like, well, I just looked at a bunch of trading cards, see how they're designed, play with some stuff, you know. Uh, I did export one thing not export, sorry. I did uh, do one thing that 
uh, wasn't just me and I got a logo because uh, I decided I want to I want a branding. I want to be not just Ari Gross Comics. I want to be something else. So uh, my sure. my trade name, I guess, whatever you call it, is College Street Comics because that's a main street in, in Toronto that I'm very close to called the College Street. And I got a little logo, which is a little raccoon, a sort of a black and white raccoon logo. And if you go to my website, www.arigross.ca, that's A-R-I-G-R-O-S-S.ca, you can read all my comics, uh, most of them for free. The ones that you can't is because they're being published by somebody else and there's some agreement where I put, if you like, if you just keep scrolling through, you'll read whatever you can and anything you want. If you really want to read it, I guess you can send me an email and I may just give you the password because there's uh you know full versions of those as well so i wanted to do a bit of kind of like branding for this and then once i got the logo i was like well i i may as well just put it out under my own name you know like i've now i'm a publisher Mm -hmm. but what's it take to be a publisher well you just have to have uh you know your you know a name and that's kind of it right you know you just do it (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. uh so i mean i could i could have i suppose try to shop the story around to individual uh publishers or something but I wanted to do this one all myself just for the experience to understand sure. what it takes and also to see if I want to do an ongoing series or you know two ongoing series or however many in the future would this be the kind of thing mm-hmm. that I would want to do you know if it's like if after one month of kickstarter I've decided like this is great I'm energized I'm okay at it let's do it again that's cool but if I find mm-hmm. out that like oh god why would I ever do this terrible thing again then you know, maybe it's time to like ask, you know, Scout or Vault or whatever, you know, someone to be like, hey, sure. you know, start mm-hmm. pitching a story to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think like that's that's really interesting because I think when it comes to Kickstarter, I, I follow plenty of creators um, who are publishing like ongoing books every couple of months, right? Like I'm on volume or issue six of like a series. Like there was a, an eight issue series that I followed to the very end digitally and then like got the hardcover at the end because like that's a way to get your books out there, especially once you start to build that audience. And I know that like there is just like in regular comics, there's a drop off. But I think with Kickstarter and like a, a lot of self-publishing, I think once you get your core audience, right, like a lot of them are probably going to stick around. If they're in for one or two, they're in for like the full run, which I find to be really interesting. But um, I'm going to stop asking questions and pitch this over to Paul. Anything you want to ask Ari before I just talk forever? Well, you mentioned this is a sci-fi and specifically Star Trek influenced. so. The question is, you mentioned you haven't seen all of it, but is there a particular version of Star Trek or Star Trek series that you kind of gravitate towards or inspired this one in particular? As an accident of, uh, you know, the year of my birth and when I happened to, you know, watch television and what was on when I was watching, I watched a lot of Next Gen. So I uh, was the, okay. I was the the Next Generation generation, uh, spilled a bit into DS9 uh, <laughs> and a bit of Get Voyager. Get out of here, you're done. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I definitely loved, uh, yeah. uh, I, I loved a few episodes from the original series, but honestly, I haven't seen all of them or too many. And some of them are just like the ones that I tended to watch for some reason was someone's like, hey, man, I got original episode, original series, VHS. Like, what is it? Oh, it's the planet full of Nazis thing. I was like, okay. So you're watching like, this is an interesting (laughs) uh, wardrobe driven episode. Not the best episode of science fiction I've ever seen. Like, what's the moral? Is a planet full of Nazis as bad? I was like, wow, what mind blowing. (laughs) Like, you know. So, like, not all Star Trek is like amazing, uh, but I really like. Sure. Fair enough. But my favorite, the the reason I was attracted to it is uh, the moral issues. And that's, I think, the core about science fiction that for me is the most interesting because it allows you to ask. I mean, other things allow you to ask these questions too, but science fiction really does in a way that I've always loved is ask the interesting speculative moral questions. You know, the thing about Star Trek, which I love the most as a teenager at least, was, you know, 
prime directive. What do you do if you see, you know, some people who aren't, you know, doing things as you think they should be doing, you think it would be really great if you could help them, but should you help them or should you let them figure it out on their own? And so those kind of ethical questions uh, are what gravitated uh, me towards just the series, I guess, in general. Uh, recently, I've been sure. uh, watching Lower Decks, which I love so much. Uh, mm. uh, Strange New World. I've heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah, it's a fun show. I mean, it helps if you like, you know, there's there's tons of Easter eggs. So it helps if you get all the references. But even if you don't, it doesn't really matter because it's uh, a, sure. a very character driven show and they take the time to develop the characters. The voices are great. Uh, Ryan North has recently written a few Lower Decks uh, comics, which are phenomenal because ryan north nice. you know and like it's a hollow deck creates a version of dracula which is sentient and so they can't get rid of it because <laughs> it's a sentient life form they so they're like is this good like we made dracula can holodeck dracula be good does he deserve to live his best life or is he just a disaster waiting to happen uh what the hell which is just such a great thing to like do and ryan yeah. north in typical sort of squirrel girl optimistic you know, which drives so well with Star Trek is like, yeah, maybe like, you know, Dracula deserves a shot. Like, you know, it's so it's, it really gets you to like, you know, if we can redeem Craven, you know, who like buried Spider-Man for two weeks in the ground, you know, in Squirrel Girl, like, can we redeem Dracula? Right. You know, sure. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I've really in, in, enjoyed all that <laughs> stuff. And I love writing sci-fi. I don't uh, the two uh, series that I'm working on right now for ongoing series are not sci-fi, uh, but every time I think I want to write like a short or a one-off, I keep going back to, uh, back to sci-fi just as like, again, I guess it comes from, you know, being obsessed with like these, you know, like a 2000 AD sort of, you know, future shock kind of like short mm -hmm. stories, speculative stuff, Twilight Zone kind of thing. Like, I just think it's so perfect mm -hmm. for that. Well, yeah, I, that's, that's really interesting. Cause one of the reasons I like reading 2000 AD and like, I'm a huge dread fan. What's even though it's science fiction, like Dredd is always a reaction to what's happening right now. Oh, yeah. I think all science fiction in a way does that. Even though it's speculative, totally. it's a direct reaction to the current political climate. That's all over Star Trek, obviously, but it gives you a way to address contemporary issues through a different lens without being, you know, so on the nose at times. That's right. And sometimes even in, in hindsight, it seems very on the nose. Like, is it the Star Trek where like, you know, the characters mm -hmm. are like black on one half and white on the other half. The other ones are black on one side and the white on the other. And they're like a a two class society, yeah. you know, no one else aside from them sees any difference, you know, like that kind of very sim simplistic metaphor for race, but it, you know, that's what's, you know, like, that's what you're talking about. So, you know, let's use aliens mm -hmm. instead of people. And then everyone can sort of, you know, come to this in a way that doesn't, you know, uh, they, they can leave their personal history behind a little bit to deal with the bigger issues. Right. 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 It right. like takes an objective, not objective, but it gives you a different angle for for viewing these types of situations when you see someone else talking about it. And it feels so, so funny and weird and simple. Like, the, how how could they have this be a problem? And you're like, yeah, that's like, that's literally what we're saying in, in real life, dude. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. You know, so for folks that are like interested in in the Kickstarter, I guess, like, what can they expect? I guess what's what's your goal? What are you driving for? What what kind of deliverables are you guys aiming for? Like if someone goes and backs, you know, the, or supports you at the highest tier, like what kind of rewards can they expect out of the Kickstarter? Yeah, so we've got uh, some awards. The hardest part, before I even say what the rewards were, is deciding uh, what not to do because my first instinct was like, we're going to do a billion things, and I was like, no man, you got to right, bring right, right. that in. Like just focus, focus, you know. <laughs> Uh, because it's so much fun to be just like, let's have a million tiers. But I, I think we made it uh, pretty right. focused. 
so the goal of the Kickstarter, first of all, it's running 25 days, begins February 1st, ends on February 25th, which is my 40th birthday. So I was like, I'm ending this Ooh. on a momentous day, and <laughs> I am no longer thinking about it after that, except for then I have to do the fulfillment, yeah. which I will definitely be thinking about it a lot after that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, I'm, I'm from Toronto, or I'm in Toronto. Well, I'm usually in Toronto. Uh, and so it's in Canadian dollars, uh, the, the pledge, which is uh, 1750 I think that comes out to just 1750 I think that comes out to 1300 American and change, plus or minus a bit. Uh, the sure. various rewards are, uh, so we have a digital copy. We have a physical copy. Uh, the next little reward here is physical copy or a signed physical copy, plus a backer recognition, so like a little extra. And uh, you get a postcard. And this has been really fun doing uh, designing the other stuff. Uh, there's a postcard, say beach day postcard. All the characters are hanging out at the beach. Uh, it's a piece of art that uh, you will also see in the comic, although I will not tell you in what sense you will see it in the comic. Uh, that's part of the, you know, is it an extra page? Is it part of the story? Who knows? You'll have to find out. Uh, but you'll get this, you'll get this nice little postcard that has on the back some information, uh, you know, sent from someone to someone else. So again, extra opportunity just to like, you know, get into the characters, write a bit more story, flesh things out, you know, have some fun with it. Sure. Uh, I have a sticker six pack, uh, excuse me, a sticker six pack, uh, seven and a half by 10 inch sticker sheet with six stickers. Instead of doing the individually cut stickers, I decided to do a sticker sheet that you can just peel off because you get mm -hmm. bigger stickers. So, uh. It's, it's going to be uh, fun. Some of them are the logos of the comics. Some are from Chosen. Some are from Awakening. And then there's that raccoon uh, silhouette College Street Comics logo that, uh, that I had designed as well. And then the top two tiers are, one is you get the other stuff plus a, uh, a sketch, an artist sketch. So we're having artists uh, do some sketches. And once the Kickstarter campaign goes nice. live, you'll be able to see that tier. And he has an amazing picture of Goldhawk, who is this sort of... Uh, horned badass uh, security officer sort of like you know a, a klingon type sort of figure and then me just draped around her leg like some uh you know woman uh in a loincloth from like a 1980s conan <laughs> you know like cover or something like that yeah uh, in pure Perfect. admiration uh yeah he did that and he's he's gonna send that one to me so that's an example so he's gonna do sketches for people who want that <laughs> and i think that's gonna be like cool if anyone wants a tier, that's a very good tier because he'll, you know, send him a picture, he'll do you, and he'll do another character and whatever mm -hmm. you want. And he has lots of fun with it. And then the the final tier, cool. we're selling the original comic art as well. So some of his pencils, uh, some of, of the inks. He actually works in a uh, Greg Warrenchuk, who's a, he's out of Ottawa, uh, and he works in sort of a combination of doing some pencils and inks, and then scans, and then does sort of digital touch-ups. And so the pages as they are aren't exactly the pages as as you get often because there's a few touch-ups and stuff like that. But it's the original page art, and so we're we're selling that as a uh, as as the highest tier, and uh, a portion of of the proceeds uh, anything we make we're over the uh, over the the Kickstarter goal uh, for for that tier is going to be split with him as well. So I mean the artist is doing the work, cool. the artist will get paid. Um, not just you know profiting off the artist by selling his stuff and then taking all the money. Like this is gonna, this is a collaborative <laughs> right. effort for both of us to you know get people who like it to get a little piece of art on their wall, and uh, you know just in like you know just just have some fun and like buy into this like cool new world that we're creating and this uh, yeah. And oh, the other postcards uh, I will also be including in some of the higher tier postcards that are blank on one side, so you can 
So there's one that's like from someone that's, you know, like a filled out postcard. Some there are going to be blank. So you can mm-hmm. fill them out and send them to people. Send them to your friends who are confused nice. why they have a postcard with a bunch of people <laughs> on a beach that says, welcome to Peralia 9, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> and then maybe they'll... I mean, to be honest, I am always confused whenever I get a, a postcard sent to me. So, like, regardless if it's got aliens <laughs> on a beach or if it's just from, you know, San Diego, I still don't understand why anyone sent me a postcard. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm... Uh, well, Paul, get one last question here before we, we I guess, before we wrap up. Well, I um, I want to ask the, the big important question. Knowing uh, a little bit of your comic book history, your big inspiration uh, reading Batman comics as a kid, I got to know, as one of the resident Batman experts here on the podcast, who's your favorite Batman artist? A very hard question. Uh, <laughs> I think my Batman is probably like... We asked a tough question. Yeah, uh, probably like... Uh, I don't know if it's Jim Aparo or Aparo. I'm I'm terrible at pronouncing people's names who I've never heard spoken aloud. Uh, but between him and uh, Neil Adams, I'd say that was a lot of the Batman that I read growing up. And whatever you kind of read as a young kid really forms the idea. Uh, and going back to those issues, like the art is is great. Like uh, before uh, all these podcasts, mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should flip through Untold Legends of the Batman. I was like, yeah, these still look really good. Like. You know, 40 years later, like, man, <laughs> yeah. this is great. Like, I mean, there's so many good Batman artists individually. People like just, you know, any any issue can have great or terrible art depending on, you know, what they're going for and what. Uh, right now, I'll tell you what I've been really enjoying uh, in terms of Batman characters, Batman family is uh, Bruno Redondo, yeah. uh, the Tom Taylor mm-hmm. Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Just phenomenal art, just loving it every moment I flip through a page. Like the writing is great, the art is great, it all comes together so well. And uh, yeah, I, I think for drawing like the Bat family, and uh, he, they draw it with, of course, Nightwing has such a, a light to it where Batman, you know, sort of in the shadows, Lightwing. I think it's like, you know, the first issue of the Taylor was like, you know, bursting into the day or something into the day. I forget the actual. <laughs> Don't quote me on any of this stuff. Of course, it was. Of course it was. Yeah. No, no, sure. that's funny. But that's ridiculous. But yeah, it's got that sort of uplifting feel to it, which is really nice and and a uh, and a great uh, you know a great contrast to you know let's say you know like Tom King's run on Batman uh, you know like I Am Suicide you know it was like dealing with like or even right. uh, Scott Snyder yeah. stuff you know like uh, uh, you know with the Greg Capullo art which is like really cool but it's just it's a total different feel so. You know, as honestly, Batman's mm-hmm. one of those characters. Like, there's a there is a Batman for all seasons. Like, what whatever you want, there's a Batman for it. There's the happy Batman. <laughs> there's the sad Batman. There's the scary exactly. Batman. There's yeah. the friendly Batman. Like, you just gotta find it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're preaching to the choir over here. We did a uh, whole uh, Patreon series where we read through all of Grant Morrison's Batman run uh, last year, and then this year we're doing a follow up where we're going to be reading stories that inspired that and some of my favorite Batman comics. And Mike is the first guest on that Patreon series. And guess what we're reading, Mike? The Untold Legends of the Batman. Oh, yeah. So you finally get to read it and see what we've been raving about. So I'm I'm very excited about this. I'll I'll be completely Please. honest. If only because I feel like someone has said that that title so many times in my head. It needs to be clicked. It, <laughs> like there's just a blank space yeah. in my brain that just needs to be filled with that. So I'm excited. But um Cool. Well, I guess I Ari, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a super blast uh, of a time. And uh, I guess for the folks at home that maybe want to reach out to you and say hello, or maybe have some questions about the Kickstarter or just anything in general, where can they find you on the internet if they want to reach out and say hi? So you can always go to uh, my website as uh, www.arigross.ca. 
I think I may have my, do I have my personal email address on there or an email address that you can reach me at? Yeah, you can always, uh, so my email address is abgrss at gmail.com. I'm an email kind of guy, but if you happen to be on Twitter, you can <laughs> at me at rebgross, and you can always sign up for my mailing list, uh, I, which is what I will primarily try to uh, inform people of things through, although I am uh, very lazy about that, which I've been told is good. Uh, because people hate getting four billion emails, uh, like so do I. So you know, it's it's true, it's true. Um, well, cool. Yeah, we'll make sure to put links to all that stuff in the show notes and everything. But um, this is great. I look, you know, good luck with the Kickstarter. Fingers crossed. I look forward to to reading the full issue. Thanks, I, I should have said earlier we did get a little bit of a preview um, that we passed around to the folks on the show today. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks great. I'm looking forward to reading the whole story. It should be a total blast. Like the, I didn't mean to say this earlier, but the art looks stupendous. Like the oh, the you. last page of the preview with the big anomaly looks really really fun. Like the book is engaging six pages in. So like very much looking forward to reading the rest um for uh next week's show though for anybody who's who cares who wants to come back next week uh brian kate and i are going to be talking about comics and basically just all the things under the sun we're taking a little bit of like a, a laid back episode break um should be fun so if you have any comic recs that you want us to read before then send them over to ircbpodcast at gmail.com and maybe we'll try to read one or two of those um as always you can follow us on instagram tiktok twitter join our discard you can join our goodreads which is almost 1100 people and growing every single day it's crazy um to get some really good comic book recommendations over there all those links are in the show notes as well you can support us on patreon to get access to a better batmobile which paul was just talking about season two is coming ircb movie club is going to be out at the end of february and spoilers we're talking about spider-man into the spider-verse um that's going to be a blast our good friend kev from the austin danger pod is going to be joining us for that infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music and we can't thank them enough xander flies across the barriers of time and i didn't change the ending to this again but he's still he's still flying and we don't know when he's going to stop um he edits the show we can't thank him enough i want to say thank you to ari for coming on the show again thank you to everyone on discord for hanging out with us live thank you to paul thank you to danny for proof listening this episode and if you got this far in the show thank you for being a true dedicated listener to i read comic books and until next time comics are good and so are you comics